Colossians chapter 3. So the first two chapters, as we remember, Paul is talking about the preeminence of Christ in the life of the believer. And as he brings application to that, he exhorts the believers in the first 11 verses of our chapter here uh, to be encouraged to overcome the fallen nature. It's not living after the flesh that we're destined to, but to live life in the Spirit, to enjoy God. And he characterizes some of those things that are of the flesh that we're to put to death because, and we can because we have power and the ability to now that we're raised in Christ. Because Jesus rose from the dead, we have power over the fallen nature. And with that authority, that power, we're to set and to seek our things above Seek the things that are above. Set our minds on the things that are above. The things that are eternal. The things that we see on this horizontal level will all perish. Only what's done in the spirit and created in relationships with people will last forever. He goes on to exhort the believers to not only put to death but to put off the attitudes that come that sort of linger on we're dragging as Paul described in Romans 8 we're dragging this dead carcass around <laughs> and that's what he's saying there who will loose me from this dead man and could you imagine and this is one of the tortures of the ancient ages they would tie a corpse to someone and eventually that corpse would decompose and they would have to deal with that putrid smell and all the things that pertain to that and eventually it would kill them not a nice way to go so Paul's pulling from some of that pull off this old man and put on the new man literally sink into the clothes that you've been provided in the person of Christ we're now dressed as it were as Christ, we can experience this new life with great freedom. We have a great responsibility to put off the flesh and to die, but we have a greater responsibility to walk in the freedom that's been provided. How many Christians drop the ball here? And for this to be a reality, it has to be an exercise of faith on our part. We must believe it. We must trust Him. So put on or sink into the clothing that's been provided. Then he, verses 12 through 14, he lists those things there. Bowels of mercy, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. And we're to let the peace of God rule our lives. Tonight, as we finish this, and it's sort of like out of nowhere. I mean, there's not really a... Uh, a smooth transition into this last section but it's 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 where the rubber meets the road for you and I he brings up the application of all this you know it's it's one of the things as a teacher you like to teach the truth right it's fun all these spiritual insights oh they're just so cool right you know and the lord says you know you really need to try that out a little bit <laughs> you know let's practice that one Oh, no, no, I don't want to practice. I just want to preach it, you know. <laughs> because in the, that's, where the, uh, that's where the fun is, right, and walking in it. 
you know, uh, but we have to tr- know and trust that it isn't putting on um, the the clothing that's been provided for us in Christ that we can do the impossible. Two fallen people can live in the same house for many, many years and still love each other. No. People that are outside of a relationship with God, that's a, that's a different kind of miracle probably. <laughs> or we don't know how that happens. I don't know how that could possibly happen. But it does happen and it has happened. But I think for the believer, that is an amazing thing for people to live together for many, many years and still not be angry and bitter towards one another. And it, it's right here. It, it, this is it. This is uh, the truth of that reality. Is, it hits us here. And I think Paul is talking about these wonderful things, but then, okay, here, do it. Don't just think it. Don't just, oh, that is so nice to hear. Do it. Because it's in the doing it of it. It's in the living it out that we're really blessed. Just because we know doctrine doesn't mean we practice doctrine. And Paul is stressing, yeah, here's the doctrine, but here's how it needs to be applied. And so, you know, being found in Christ and this new freedom, we don't have to be hampered by our insecurities because I think that's really what we have these relationship breakdowns in the home and at work because of our insecurities. By nature, we are all insecure. I mean, that's what happened in the garden. We sort of lost touch with God. We lost touch with ourselves, with each other. We we don't handle nature. I mean, every level was disheveled and out of order. And that's insecurity. That's out of, To be out of order is to be insecure. And And... But putting on the clothes of Christ brings order and brings security back to us so that we don't lash out. We don't have to you know, react to what happens to us. We can respond in a, in a way. You know, being clothed with Christ enlightens our inner person so that we understand our place. That's what humility is all about. Is I'm, I'm now honest with myself. I have an honest evaluation and a perspective of myself. It's not too high. It's not too low. Uh, I'm not thinking more highly of myself than I ought to, but I'm not thinking lower because I understand the, who God made me to be by His grace. And so these things that He's telling us to put on, this gentleness and this patience, actually over time become like second nature to us. We don't really even think about it. It just... We've been doing it for so long. We've been walking with the Lord. It just sort of, now it's who we are. And that's what the wonderful thing about it. It's not something we're faking. It's not something we're acting or pretentious in. It's just God has done deep work in our lives. You know, forgiveness is how that's really lived out. You know, we walk, for those, when we walk in the Spirit, we know when we cross the line. We know when we offend our maid or uh, one of our children or someone else. We know when we do that and, and we know we need to say, hey, I was wrong, I'm sorry. And, you know, God, being clothed with humility gives us the ability to do that. So, you know, nothing like a test <laughs> to find out where we're really at. <laughs> and nothing like relationships in the home and relationships in the workplace to show us where we're at. I mean, think about it. It all stands to reason that we spend most of our time there. <laughs> we're at home 
or we're at work. And so Paul lays it out here. I mean, not, not, you know, this is 2,000 years ago. Not much has changed, right? The home and the workplace. This is where it's at. But let's just, just briefly go through using allow uh, God to speak to you, uh, maybe where you're at. Verse 18, as we pick it up here. Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting to in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter towards them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. And bondservants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily, as unto the Lord and not unto men, knowing that from the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance. For you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done. There's no partiality. Masters, give to your bondservants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. So wives, submit is is fitting. And I like that, as is fitting. What is the word? You know, I think sometimes, I don't know that for those who are walking with the Lord and you really love your wives you, this isn't you never have to play the submission card that's that's when you know you've really lost <laughs> as a man when you play the submission card well it's what I say you know and sometimes you have to do that if it's really serious I'm not saying it doesn't ever have to be played but um, as is fitting um, what is submission uh, you know it, it really sometimes need to be needs to be stated. It just means to come under for the sake of order. I'm going to listen to what you have to say because ultimately, uh, in this context, the husband is going to answer to God. The husband is going to give an account for all the decisions that he made. And, you know, I think a good, as is fitting, carries with it the idea that she doesn't have to be silent. Just because... uh, submission is not equivalent to silence. You know, I always liked the way Pastor Romaine handled his relationship with Chuck, being a subordinate and being an assistant pastor. It's sort of like that, you know, you got someone that's helping you and assisting you regularly. But, you know, things would come up in the ministry and, you know, listening to to Romaine talk about them on occasion, uh, he he had no problem. He was a little bit older than Chuck, actually, but and he he had no problems saying his mind. And I'm you know I remember him saying one time I said well I he said I think you're wrong, Pastor Chuck, um, but I've told you what I think and now it's on you and you're gonna answer to God anyway. So that's uh, you won't hear any more from me. And I think some that's submission it you know it doesn't mean you're you're mute but you you state what you sense and then you leave it there for the sake of order because if you continue to battle then it creates disorder chaos and um the bible tells us when people who are in submission are really doing as unto the lord that's what it says here is is fitting in the lord it's your submission is, I'm coming under for your sake, Lord. This guy's an idiot right now, but, you know, but for your sake, you know. You know, you know sometimes you feel that way. 
you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with those emotions, but you're doing is unto the Lord. And when you turn that right to be upset and know maybe and, and understand that you may be totally right and justified in your position, but you're still turning it over to God, that allows the Holy Spirit to just be unleashed upon that husband or that head or that authority that's over you that's making like life hard for you. You know, you know, we learn this lesson. We should learn this lesson as a Christian. You know, I can fight my battles, or I can let God fight the battles for me. And I tell you what, He's a lot better at, at pinning someone down than I am. And so that's uh, hopefully that's an encouragement. But um, it's okay to be in a in a submissive role. It's okay to 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 come under. Uh, there's nothing. Uh, doesn't make you a less of a person. You just understand who you are and where you belong. And that's part of being uh, uh, humble before God. And so now on the other hand, the big responsibility is for husbands to really love. You know, the Bible tells us in Ephesians to love your wife as Christ loved the church. That's, that's, a, big, that's a big ticket to fill right there. You know, Jesus never stops loving us. So that's an unending love I must have for my wife and children. Um, he loves us unconditionally. So there's no conditions. Oh, I can't. Well, when you start submitting, then I'll start loving you. Um, no. You don't see that. God doesn't. God still lo- God so loved the world. Uh, the world, by the way, in complete rebellion and animosity towards him and a continual enmity with him. God so loved and so loves the world that he gave his only begotten son. It doesn't stop us from loving people because they're not meeting what we desire them to be. So this is a big this is a big step for most men. I you know, you gotta get out of yourself to have this kind of love. You know, don't be angry. How do I know if I'm over it? Are you still steaming? Do you have resentment? Is there is there some angst? You know, <laughs> and you just, when it's, it, hey, it's part of working through it. We're emotional creatures. And you bring that emotion to before the Lord and say, okay, Lord, it, it's here. I don't like it. It's wrong. But I want to yield this to you. And you just keep working through it. When you are real with the Lord and honest with Him, He gives you the grace to really love the unlovely. Maybe, maybe your wife or your spouse is totally out of control. A train wreck just waiting to happen. And you're angry because she's not listening. And you may be totally justified and accurate in your assessment. And your analysis is perfect. So you still have to love. You still have to lay down your anger and your resentment. And you really got to love them. And then it takes grace to do that. It takes humility to do that. So, you know, now that we can all pick ourselves up off the floor... <laughs> we're gonna make it he gets to the kids yeah kids now pay attention since there aren't oh I guess we have one child here <laughs> one younger brother here obey your parents you know if you can't obey your mom and dad who you see how do you expect to obey the God you cannot see and that's the same thing you have to learn to understand Faith is based on order and understanding the chain of commands that's been established. 
And that's really what we're trying to, to convey to our children is, is to obey us, you know. And, and as a parent, it's sort of a trap that I see happen. I don't have to give my children an explanation for everything that I have them do. You know, where's that written in the parental book? That, well, if Johnny asks me why, I must ask, answer Johnny why. Well, f- first of all, let's take it from the greatest parent of all, the Lord. Does he answer every one of your questions? There's just some things you just like, okay, I just got to roll with this. And that's really what you are supposed to learn as a child. If you will do that, you know, because they're going to project that on everybody else and in their, you know, like they have a right to an answer. Well, no, you don't. Not always. Sometimes you can't explain it to them on their level so they can get what's going on. It's just way beyond uh, their age or whatever. But it starts, you know, these little, little fellows, you know, my goodness, they, they have no clue. <laughs> and when you're sitting there trying to explain it, it's just hot air, man. Hold your breath. And so let's just teach our children. Let's just keep it simple. I love this. This is two, one commandment for each category. Notice there's not this big list. Wives submit. And he talks about respect in Ephesians. And husbands love. He doesn't get beyond that from the men. It's the same in both books. One commandment. Husbands love, wives respect and come under, and children obey. That's, that's your assignment. Can you do that? Well, if I'm clothed with Christ's clothing and I have truly been born again and I'm putting off the flesh, dying to the sin nature, I can do that. And that's the only way we can do it. And then fathers, this is the other responsibility for men. <clears throat> do not provoke your children. You know, sometimes we do things because we're angry and we're resentful. We want to just let them know that that. And we go over the top. So, you know, just, I always tried, and I didn't do this perfectly by any stretch. I always try to put myself in a position, two two different mindsets that I, as I was fathering children, um, what was I like when I was that age and what are the things that I did with my parents? And, of course, I had some rebellion as I got older. So, okay. So I I can have mercy in that regard. And the other concept that I sought to think through a lot was, well, how does God treat me? And I come up with this, this, you know, in a subtle way of God is... You know, he called the children of Israel the children of Israel for a reason. <laughs> they were adults, right? But I am God's child, and God is parenting me. And so I have to realize that as I'm being parented by God, that's how I'm to parent my children. And, and I want an atmosphere in the home of grace, because that is the atmosphere that God parents me in. He is gracious. I don't deserve anything. He's merciful to my failures and my rebellions and those things. And he gives me space. God gives me space to work it out. Most situations in a family relationship are not of the emergency level, contrary to what most teenagers think. It's not an, every situation is not an emergency and needs and demands an answer and a, so, a solution immediately. And so you learn that uh, 
as <laughs> you're parenting for sure. Because most of the time, um, unless it, we are in an emergency, the Lord doesn't answer us like that. You ever notice that? It, like, it's usually the, the psalm version. How long, O oh Lord? <laughs> you know. But then there's those verses that say, you know, before you call, I'll answer. You know, there are those emergency situations that God is all over us when it's serious and it matters. And that's sort of the give and take we have in our relationships uh, with our children. But, you know, think about this. He's talking about the home. It's no different now than it was back then. The health of the home, that is the key to a healthy society. You know why our country's a train wreck? Because the homes are a train wreck. And that falls upon me as a parent, falls upon me as a father and husband. I will answer to God for the conduct of my home. And when men of our country begin to take that responsibility serious and make the changes that are God-honoring, it'll change. It can change our culture. It will change our culture. But if we don't, we'll continue to... See this, you know, and think about it. The home was the first institution that God ever set up. He didn't establish the church first. It's the home, husband and wife. And it, right from the very beginning, it's been under attack. I mean, he got a hold of Cain. Cain brought trouble, and he brought sorrow, he brought pain into that family because of his rebellion against God. And that rebellion led him, filled him with hatred, hatred towards his own brother to the point that he would murder him. And so you can expect that uh, warfare is going to take place. I, I, <clears throat> nobody, nobody talks to you more than you talk to you. And I, I, you know, there's some things you experience when you're a little guy. I remember years ago riding in a car with my mom. It was just her and I, and we were going someplace. And of course, I'm you know I'm fidget, playing with my toy or whatever, and I look over at her, and she's her lips are moving. You know, I'm just kind of like staring. <laughs> she's driving, I'm sort of staring at her, and and then she looks at me, and then she looks away, and and I I look away, and you know, <laughs> and I thought to myself, why is he talking to herself? Now I know why she talks to herself these days. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you just need intelligent conversation there, you know. <laughs> you got to talk to somebody, right? But we had this conversation, what do we want to say it, going on in our head all the time. And you have to, to think about what you're thinking about. And we know if it's acceptable or not acceptable conversation in our minds. But there are times when we're really, if there's been a fence or we're wrestling with something, that those conversations get sort of, they get really get going, don't they? We have to, the important thing is, no matter what level of emotion is going on in our minds, are we telling ourselves the truth? Because that ultimately is what will set us free. If we want to tell lie to ourselves, we're just going to keep, having this little echo chamber going on and on and on and on. It's not until we tell ourselves the truth and we allow the Spirit of God to clothe us with Christ that we're going to be set free from that emotional turmoil that's within us. And if I'm not settled as an individual, it's going to be very difficult for me to communicate peace and that settledness to others. In fact, whatever's going on in here, if it's out of control, 
it won't be long before it's out of control out here, whether it's the home or whether it's at work. And so this is, you know, you can see why Paul, it may have been an abrupt, you know, change in the text here. Talking about these responsibilities and this blessing of being in, but here it is, boom. All right, here it is. Make it a reality here, right here in the home, right here at work. And so he just lays it down. You know, I really am concerned about the family. And I, I want to make that our prayer tonight for our fellowship to, to grow in this grace so that we can help families. We can be a place of hosp- spiritual hospital for the broken homes. I mean, you start thinking about how many single parent homes there are in our country. It's really a tragedy. And it's not, a lot of it has to do with divorce. And most of the single moms, per se, are over 40. I mean, the studies seem to indicate that. Um, there, it was not, it was meant to be one wife, one life, one husband, one family for this life. But Satan has come in and he has really disrupted God's intention. But God gives grace when there's sin. And so single parent homes need prayed for. Think about what that leads to. Mom or dad, because there are fathers that are doing this, not just mothers. But what we end up doing, because we need our space, we just stick them in front of the boob tube, you know, the the TV, the television, you know. That's showing my age there, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's this, yeah, it's video games. But we park them in front of the device, and, and then I can have my space, my time. So who's, re- who's teaching our children? Google, if they have questions. You know, the, the video games. Unfortunately, it's Hollywood's influence. And that just sort of feeds into this negative downward spiral of dysfunction within our homes. And then we think, then take it to the next level. Child neglect. Child neglect is a result, by and large, from drug abuse. You know, we're involved in the Lifehouse Ministry, and every one of the kids that, that are within the ministry that we're that part of there, all those children have come from homes convicted of child neglect. And But they say it, so it sounds a little nicer than, well, their mom and dad were on drugs and beating them ignoring them but this is what happens we need to pray you know where else are people going to go where else can a family go to get support and help we who are from healthy homes we who have the right perspective we who are walking with the lord we those of who consider ourselves stronger in the lord we're to bear the and help those that are weak and so god we've just i'm just praying one of the things that came upon me this last couple of weeks, I am praying that God develops a servant heart in this church, a willingness to really wash feet. Because this is what we're talking about here. This is not, this is the cleanup duty when you're helping people that really want to be helped. Now, there are a number of people that cannot be helped. We have to recognize that too. There are people who don't accept the scripture has the final authority. If a person who's in great need 
and in living, just having a rough go of it, and they it's and yet they still will not accept Scripture as the final authority. You can't help them. If they won't admit they have a problem, you can't help them. If you if if they can't be real with God, God can't help them. And so, if God can't help them, how do you expect you can help them? So there's there's a discernment that's needed, and so we have to get people to the point where we can help them unpack some of this stuff and and let some of this down and 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 get first of all get their relationship right with God where they can begin to cast their cares upon him and trust him and if they're willing to w- walk down that path then God can be, bring healing in all these other areas that need it and so i i just want our church to be that kind of lighthouse as it were uh, for the community um we need revival and and, uh, and and really we'll start with the, the men the men of this nation if god can just get a hold of the men begin to lead not be intimidated and i actually i actually have hope i see a change coming in our culture i know some of you would think i might be nuts making this comment but i i think I actually think to some degree people are starting to wake up about some of the garbage that comes over the airwaves and 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 you know putting men down and p- politically correctness and all that kind of garbage that you hear over the airwaves. You know, at some point in time, it's like this is just this. We all know, if we're honest with ourselves, we all know that it's garbage, but we all kind of just be quiet, are quiet because we don't want to you know make waves. I think at some point in time we're going to throw that yoke off. I have that feeling. I don't. I might be wrong, but I have that feeling we're just going to throw that off and go back to basics. Like you know, the truth is the truth, and let's just go by that truth, and um, whatever that's worth. The workplace bond servants would be kind of equivalent there in verse twenty-two to employees uh, in our culture. Uh, so it's really easy. You always spotted these guys that like to render eye service. As long as the boss is watching, <laughs> I'll do a good job. Whew, boy, I'm glad he's gone. You know, now I can go back to sloughing off again. I mean, who are you doing your job for? Somebody does that. It's like, who are you working for? You are you working for that guy? Well, I've got okay. Then I can see why you do that. But if you're working for the Lord, then you flip it around and get a perspective. <laughs> If you were the employee, employer, would you want your employees to do that to you? Isn't you know why you're giving them a job because something needs to be done, and they're really not fulfilling it as they could to their ability. And so, just be sincere. Half the work I've done in my life, if it wouldn't have been for Lord, I'd have walked away. <laughs> I would have never gone in that crawl space <laughs> if it had been if it wouldn't have been for the Lord, you know. Masters, and this is, again, this is, again, if you are an employer and you have people working for you, put yourself in their situation. If you are not willing to do what you're asking them to do, what, where, why? Well, you know, you can fill in the blank. There are those who, who just like to lord it over because they like to do that. But it doesn't take long for 
for employees to figure out what kind of guy you are as a leader and as an employer. And if you treat people like you want to be treated, uh, you'll be the better for it. So, you know, do the right thing for people that work for you. And put yourself in their position. A couple of things I have down here that I thought were somewhat related. Um, from This is from Passion and Purity, Elizabeth Elliot's book. When the will of God crosses the will of man, somebody must die. <laughs> and I'm like, ow. <laughs> you know, nothing truer than that. We have to die to our will when it's different than God's. Thomas Akempis, in his book, Imitation of Christ, what hinders you more than your affections not fully mortified to the will of God? And so these are the kinds of things that when you're in relationship, you know, not that this applied a lot, but it is a model that I try to, to I think is there's wisdom in to at least to some degree. Uh, as a husband, I would rather be happy than right. And so as a, how that translated into my, and I didn't do this perfectly by any stretch, but how this worked out in my life was like, you know, I don't have to win every argument. I don't have to be right every time. I mean, I think I'm right most of the time, right? We all do. I mean, that's why we take our opinions, <laughs> right? We have them. Um, it's good to acknowledge when you're wrong, but, you know, don't keep driving it. It's just good advice. Just, you know, as Proverbs tells us, just, just leave it off is more of, of more honor than to just perpetuate to you or have the last word and you're on top. Because if you've done that and you've, quote, won, you've really lost. You've lost something that's more precious than that's peace and a, and a love and understanding that you really need in a relationship. Now, this is a compilation of Job 36, 18, Hebrews 3, 7, and 8, verse 15 of chapter 3 of Hebrews, and chapter 4, verse 7. And I don't know um, the author, so it's unknown, but it's a divine warning, um, sort of in a poem form. And I'm just going to read it, uh, the few lines that are here, and that's the title of it, The Divine Warning. There is a time we know not when, a place where we know not where, that marks the destiny of men for glory or despair. There's a line by us unseen that crosses every path that marks the boundary between God's patience and his wrath. To pass that limit is to die, to die as if by stealth. It does not dim the beaming eye or pale the glow of health. The conscience may still be at ease. The spirit light and gay that which is pleasing may still please and care be thrust away but on that forehead God has set indelibly a mark unseen by man for by man as yet is blind and in the dark 
And yet the doomed man's path below has eaten, maybe bloomed. He did not, does not know, will not know, or feel that he is doomed. He thinks, he feels that all is well. His every fear is calmed. He lives. He dies. He wakes in hell, not only doomed, but damned. Oh, where is this mysterious, mysterious born by which our path crossed, beyond which God himself has sworn <clears throat> that he who goes is lost? How long may we go on in sin? How long will God forbear? Where does hope end? And where we begin to confess this despair? An answer from the skies is sent. You who from God depart, wild is called today, repent and harden not your heart. You know, I think it's good to to have a perspective for a moment. God has saved us from a mighty, in a mighty salvation, from a mighty wrath to come. And we need to think in terms of the people that are outside, the, the ones that are living broken lives because of sin and the destruction of it. You know, the, there's a reason why there's single parent homes. There's a reason why kids are in trouble. We can't just continue to ask God for blessings and blessings and blessings and fail to realize that we have a responsibility to be available to to seek the lost and to those that are in great need. I just pray that there will be a revival and a real compassion come upon us and our church uh, to really care for those. We see these breakdowns in the family. We see these breakdowns in, in churches. We see this trouble abounding and grace is there if we'll call upon it. And so may God help us. Let's take a few minutes to pray. We're going. Uh, do you have practice tonight? So let's we're done a little early, so let's uh, go to the back. Guys, get at a table, and girls at your tables, and and let's pray for families. Let's pray for our church.